Welcome to the YYY Show, a comedy podcast about search histories, life, and curiosities of the mind. I'm Jingan. And I'm Eliza. And in this podcast, we are going to talk about interesting things that we search for on the internet this week. But first, we need to make a small disclaimer. This is a comedy podcast and we do our best to research the things that we find. If there's anything that is factually inaccurate, please send us your corrections through our social media channels. You can find us at YYY Show on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Alright, shall we start the show? Yes, so Jingan, what is your search term of the week? Alright, my search term is... Do adults have a soft spot on their skull? Okay, wait, 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 before you answer, right? Uh. This soft spot thing, you know what is it or not? Something along the lines of, for babies, when they mm-hmm. come out of the mother's womb, mm-hmm. then the skull is like many piece one. Then mm-hmm. the baby head very soft. Mm-hmm. Then it will harden. As they grow up, right? Not immediately. Like 30 seconds after they come out of the womb. I mean, I, re- I really don't know <laughs> how long it takes. Like, if you tell me it is... I mean, I, I suspect uh, it's a few months. Because I've seen those babies, mm-hmm. right? That they wear the helmet. Like, the parents let them wear the helmet yes, and bring yes, them yes, out. Yes, yes. So, I think uh, it takes at least a few months for the bones to become hard. Oh, yes. Mm, but I don't correct. know uh, whether mm. the bones stay as separate bones but mm-hmm. are hard mm-hmm. or are they one bone. That's, that one I don't know. Oh. Mm. And I'll take bio, so I don't know. Yeah, okay. I'm not very sure also because I also didn't take bio. But like according to what I read, la, so I know roughly what the formation of the skull is like, like the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for infants, the soft spot on their skulls is called a very beautiful name. Mm. You want to guess what is it? Diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) One of the most beautiful words in the English language. I think it will sound something like that. Skullia. No. (laughs) Uh, Brainlia. No. The soft spot. On the skull. Yeah, not... Softer. Okay, Mm. the name is Fontanelle. Mm. which is borrowed from the old French word fontanelle, is also a diminutive of the word fontaine, which means spring. Fountain lah. Ah, correct. So oh. the spring is not the season spring ah, it's the hot springs, oh. like fountain, like bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh. Yeah. It's actually used as an analogy for the dent in the rock or the earth, and then like that's sort of like where the spring forms. And also, oh. like, so it's on the head, right, of the infant. Uh-huh. So you're right to say that there are, like, like separate plates of the bones of the skull mm-hmm. that are separate at first. Mm. Like, then there's a membrane that's, like, sort of connecting it. Mm-hmm. So there's actually the middle part, right, especially you can see, right, on the top of the infant's head. Sometimes it will sink in slightly. It's the top? Yeah. The I, would, top. I would think that it's the back of the head. Eh? The top and the back also have. Huh? So the they also have a total of six spots. Six? Yeah. Oh my god. And they slowly disappear as the baby ages. Yeah, later we can go into it. I thought only got one at the back of the head. Okay, yeah. now I know. So the very obvious one, right, is mm. actually the one on the top of the head. So it's actually slightly indented. I'm touching the top of my head now. 
I don't really feel an indentation. Because you are an adult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> so it does not take 35 years for it, no? Okay. Noted. Anyway, mm. it slightly pulsates, like in an infant, if you observe. Pulsate? It was slightly pulsate according to the infant's heartbeat. Like, dum 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 like that. Like, it will, it will move la, up eee. and down according to okay. the to the heartbeat and it kind of looks like something that is like a fountain like it's moving wow yeah that's why they call it fontanelle oh which is quite amazing right oh yeah Mm. you guess correctly as to why the babies have this soft spot is because it's for brain growth and development and also because when it comes out of the womb Mm. can't be too big yeah correct so Mm. it needs to be like a bit flexible so that it can come out yeah yeah of the womb yeah and also after that, the brain want to grow, mm. right? Correct. So the if the brain grows, then your head already fixed the position, then how your brain grow. Correct. So the uh. baby's head is not their grown-up size head, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> right? If <laughs> not, the baby, the body so small, and the head is so big. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's why it needs to be uh, not fully hard yet. Ah, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, it makes yeah. sense, yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, the thick membrane, right, that is in between the cranial bones, which uh-huh. is like all the, like, the, the sort of, like, the big plates of the skull, right? Uh-huh. So, it's kind of, like, two big ones in front and then, like, two big ones at the back and then the rest of them are, like, sort of, like, the base of the skull. Uh-huh. Yeah, then, like, they slowly grow towards the middle and, like, the membrane gets thicker and thicker. Then oh. the soft spot will disappear. Like, something like that. Oh, like. the yeah. membrane is the one that yeah. becomes part of the skull. Yeah, it's it's like a bit like soft like soft bone, then it slowly oh. hardens. Yeah, but it's not bone. Yeah. Because I would imagine that it was just the bones move here, move there, move here, move there, like tectonic plate like that, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like tectonic plate also. Oh. Similar to that. Oh, but I didn't feeling. think that there was gonna be the soft bone that will become yeah, yeah, it, it changed. Oh. Yeah, yeah, wow, you hadn't. Evolved. Wow. Okay, so cool. Okay, continue. <laughs> so it's actually pretty strong, the membrane part. Mm-hmm. It's not as um soft as we think it is. Oh. So it's not like if you press on it, you directly touch the brain. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of parents are like very afraid to handle the baby because they are afraid to accidentally hurt it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but actually, like, normal handling, like, just touch it or, like, you know, just gently, like, like you want to clean the head or something, mm. then, like, that's okay, la. Mm. But, like, of course, if you press it, then, no, la, you will hurt the brain, no? You press... So, okay, how hard is that membrane? I mean... Is it like a fruit? Is it, like, more like an <laughs> apple that is hard? Or is it more like a very ripe... Hmm... Uh, what you call... Why is Chinese orange called Mandarin? <laughs> <laughs> a very ripe Mandarin. Yeah, very ripe. I think it's somewhere Mandarin. in between. It's definitely not very ripe Mandarin. Hey, by yeah. the way, is it Mandarin? It's called Mandarin because they're Chinese oranges. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <gasps> I think so. <gasps> I think that's the reason. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So many mini fun facts. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, as we grow up, Mm. the soft spots on our skull mm. they disappear slowly okay so there is four main types mm-hmm. there's the posterior which is the back of the skull mm-hmm. which is like kind of like behind your eye the same level 
mm-hmm. like down here mm. at the back. So that's the posterior. That one is two or three months after birth, it will disappear. Mm. There and the sides, right? Sort of like near your temples. Mm-hmm. That one is called sphenoidal. Yeah, that one is six months after birth will disappear. Mm-hmm. Then there's one more pair, which is the base of the skull near to the ear. That mm-hmm. one's called mastoid. Then there is six to eighteen months after birth, you should disappear. Okay, so the longest that it take to disappear is one and a half years. Yeah, the longest to disappear mm-hmm. is the anterior one, which is the right on top of the head one. That one will take twelve to eighteen months. Mm, one and a half years, lah. Maximum, maximum, lah. After that, it's like okay, ready, lah. Yes. So of course, if it's still there, uh-huh. then that indicates maybe there is a problem. Then just go see doctor. Yeah, correct. That's okay, right. okay. So if as an adult you have a soft spot on your skull mm. and it doesn't feel right, mm. then uh, you should get that checked out. Mm. Yeah, but sometimes it's like a dent from a previous injury, or like maybe you're growing, like there's a growth or something that's happening. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I have no idea what it might be. Might be a baluku. Yeah. Might be a pimple. Yeah. Might be a cyst. Yes. Might be it has a tumor. A lot of, like possibilities. Yeah. So you just yeah. go doctor. It's better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, mm. scientists did, however, study extremely extensively as to which part of your head is the most vulnerable mm. for adults. So it's not soft spot, but it's like more dangerous to hit the back of the head, lah. No, it's not the weakest part of the skull. Not meh? Nope. The back of the head is not. Uh. It's not the weakest But they always part. say that you have to be careful not to slip and fall yeah. because you will hit the back of your head. Then if you hit the back of your head and then your skull crack or then your brain injured then you die. Yeah, they always yeah, say yeah. that what? Yeah, but, but that's not the most... It's not the most vulnerable. Huh. I think the amount of force if you hit the back of your head is dangerous because it's a lot of force when you fall. Oh, from like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you will fall at, yeah. from a height, right? And, bah, yeah, 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 and yeah, the yeah. taller you are, then the greater your fall. Yeah. Oh. And hmm. I think it's also because it's very near your um, spinal spine. cord. Oh, yeah. okay, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. So, which is the most. I mean, you say that the top of the head is the last to fuse, then the top of the head is the weakest, lo? It's not. Huh? <laughs> okay, okay, you know what? I'm just going to guess. Can I guess the front of the face, like near your eyes? Because it's like, there's so much hole. For your eyeball to be in. I mean, that's like... That's a bit unfair, right? Because there's a hole there. Like, yeah, then confirm that it will be weak, what, right? So that's <laughs> the weakest spot near the eyes. Well, it's not. Huh? Yeah. Then where? The temple is the weakest spot. It's also called a pterion. You know, like, pterion, as in, like, the pterodactyl. Uh-huh. So I guess it's, like, pterion. Yeah. P-T. Hmm. But why is the temple the weakest spot? Because near the eyes, is it? It's because that's where several skull bones interconnect. So when they grow, right? Uh-huh. And like, they continue developing, right? Uh-huh. You are right that it's like, sort of like tectonic plates. Uh-huh. Then they like, grow on each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like, you know, there's like, parts that is like, sort of like, sticking together and parts that are not. Okay. So it's like, they call it sutures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it's a crack la, in your skull in, mm-hmm. a, in a sense. Not a like crack, like like there's a line there, la, you know, mm-hmm. like like in, in, in uh surgery. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sutures is like uh, the sewing, right? Sewing, yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. So that's where like the several skull bones they actually like interconnect, so that's like the weakest spot in a sense. Oh and below it uh-huh. there's this thing called a middle meningeal artery, uh-huh. which transports the blood to your brain. Uh-huh. So 
this is one of the bigger ones. Uh-huh. And then it will cause uh, epidural hematoma, which is bleeding inside the brain, which is a problem. Oh, is that why when the boxers and the MMA fighters, when they fight, right, then yeah. they will like have to like guard their face and then they always yes. put their arms in front of their face and then but then they don't put it directly in front of the face. Mm. They put it like somewhat like sideways kind yeah. of thing. Because if you hit the temple, it's quite a problem. Yeah, then sometimes they gotta hit on the jaw, the temple, then they will KO. Yeah. Then the referee will suddenly swoop in and stop the match. Yeah. Oh. So I, I don't think those spots are very good for us, actually. Yeah. They say that those spots will lead to brain injuries for the yeah. athletes. Yeah. Cannot do for too long. Eh? Yeah. Like, make a millions, right? Then done. <laughs> don't play already. Okay. Can I don't play in the first place? <laughs> Can la. <laughs> I mean, it's a choice, ma. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. All right. It is time for our special segment. Three things to Google from a friend. So Eliza, who is the contributor for this week? Our contributor this week is Sarah. And she gave us three search terms that are somewhat related to science and history. Okay, the first one is Woolly Mammoth Revival. Oh, did I see a news about this? They are going to use the DNA from the Woolly Mammoth and like I don't know, try to grow a new one or something. But who is going to bond it? Like, what is going to bond it? Is an elephant going to bond it or are they going to bond it in a lab? You mean give birth to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, how are they going to develop the baby? Like, are they going to develop it in inside a lab, lab in or the is lab. it they're going to put it in an elephant or something? I don't know. It's so difficult. Okay, let's Google it. <laughs> this is a very interesting topic. Yeah, we just spend many minutes stuck in a black hole <laughs> and like reading a lot about this thing. Okay, so you are correct. They are not going to make the woolly mammoth in a lab. Mm-hmm. They are going to make a genetically edited embryo of the woolly mammoth mm-hmm. and put inside African elephant. Then use the advantage of its size to give birth to it. Mm. Yeah. And there are talks of making a hybrid elephant with some woolly mammoth traits. Mm, also. So it's like a genetically modified elephant. Yes. Yeah. Because there are some problems also. Like for example, they have some viral problems. Like they are susceptible to a certain virus, mm. the African elephants. So they want to like build a better version of the elephant also. So mm. that it's not as susceptible to all these viruses. Mm. But they also don't know whether they can make this hybrid elephant out or not. And then this hybrid elephant, Mm -hmm. it will have like smaller ears, it will have much more subcutaneous fat. Okay. Yeah, that means it's more fat so that it can withstand the cold. Mm -hmm. Then it has long shaggy hair Mm -hmm. and co-adapted blood. Sometimes they'll refer to it as a mammophant. Yeah, mammophant. But now still don't know whether it can make or not. Okay. If really cannot make, then have to put it into the elephant. Yes. (sighs) This CRISPR thing is also a very interesting topic about gene editing. Like, how Hmm. do they even... So the goal, right, is not to clone a mammoth. It's like, not just extract the DNA from the woolly mammoth remains, because there's a lot in the permafrost. Mm. And actually, uh, those remains, uh, the DNA is actually very fragmented and degraded. Mm -hmm. But what they want to do is they extract this DNA already, then they want to do genetic engineering, Mm -hmm. then they want to make a living, walking, elephant-mammoth hybrid. 
mm. that visually uh, from the outside you look at it uh, mm. you will think that oh it looks like a mammoth oh mm. I see but it must be alive you know be able to survive in today's world yeah lah yeah lah yeah. correct that's why a lot of things they have to do yeah mm. so like the reason that they want to bring the woolly mammoth back mm. is not as uh, gimmicky as I thought it was mm. it's not like you know Jurassic Park vibes <laughs> Is that the theme song? No, it's not. But it's okay. <laughs> now my this one won't get copyright <laughs> strike. Eliza's <laughs> like version. This mammoth park. Yeah, but they actually want to reintroduce the woolly mammoth mm. to the same ecosystem mm. in which it once lived in. Mm. Because this is the effort to fight climate change, according mm. to you know the company. Mm. Yeah. The woolly mammoth's vast migration patterns actually played an active part in preserving the health of the Arctic. Mm. So I guess that was what happened in the ancient times and mm. they want to re-bring this situation back lah, mm. so that it can help with the whole climate change issue. Yeah. They say that before their extinction, grazing mm. animals like mammoth, horses and bison, yep. they used to maintain the grasslands in our planet's northern reaches mm. and kept the earth frozen underneath by tramping down the grass because they step, 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 step. Yeah. And then they knock down the trees and they compact the snow. So it's like icy on it below their feet. Because they compact the cocoa thing. Mm. Then, right, if you're able to reintroduce these mammoths and other large mammals, then what they will do is they will help to slow down the permafrost from thawing mm. and the release of carbon. Yes. So that's the whole idea. Like, we put them back there, then they continue stomping around. Yeah. Then the icy is still icy. <laughs> yeah. Because if it's snow, right, then when the wind blows, then the snow will yes. disperse. Yes. They're easier to melt. Because currently, there's not many animals there at all. Yeah, not many animals yeah. tramping around yeah. Yeah. the yeah. area. Yeah. And then, right, you can go safari, eh. <laughs> to the Arctic, eh. Yeah. Then you see these mammals tramping can around see the with the mammals. bison yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that. Correct, correct. So exciting, right? Yeah. Mm. But of course... Mm. There's a darker side to the story mm. and there are reasons as to maybe why we shouldn't do this thing. Mm. So let's look at them. Okay. So one of the key issues is that they have to first understand why the woolly mammals went extinct in the first place. Mm. They don't understand this yet. Like the full picture mm. is not something that we know because mm. it's very long ago. It's like 10,000 years ago. Mm. And if you reintroduce these animals back, yes, you don't know what's the reason they went extinct. Mm -hmm. So they might go extinct again. Yeah. So then what's the point? <laughs> yeah, then you right? just revive something to die. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Then, right, the scientists also say, actually, right, you're using the word revival uh, and resurrection uh, mm. very loosely. Mm. Because, actually, uh, you're not resurrecting the, the extinct species. Yeah. yeah. You're actually modifying the genome yeah. of an existing species. Eh. Yeah. So, you won't know how they would behave. Mm. So, you cannot say that they will do the same thing and like, you know, storm on the Arctic ice and then like make the whole environmental issue better. Mm. Yeah. What if it makes it worse? Yeah, exactly. What if it eats the things that it's not supposed to eat? And then makes other things extinct. Yeah. And then like, what if its waste is like, you know, like methane and all that, right? Yeah. What if it yeah. produces other kind of waste that's yeah. that? Or creates another big problem that we have to solve. Mm. Yeah, then how? Mm. It's too unpredictable. 
Mm. And another problem is that you don't know what is like 10,000 years ago, mm. right? For example, like how the climate was like, the microbiome, like this is quite important in an animal, in humans also, like the microscopic world like that is living inside your gut. Yes. And then it influences your physical functions, digestion, and also your behavior. Mm. So all of these things, right, is not possible to replicate because it's long extinct really, those microbiome, mm. like from the... 10,000 years ago. Mm. So when the mammophone comes back to life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it might not have all these things. Yeah. Then, then it cannot survive. Yeah. Then how? <laughs> and, and, and they are saying that right now, uh, our tech is not good enough for surrogate animals. Oh. Yeah. Because a few years ago, a Spanish-led team of researchers, they tried to clone an extinct subspecies of an ibex. You know, those kind of like goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And then uh, they made hundreds of embryos mm-hmm. and they implanted a series of them into many surrogate mothers. Mm. But only one animal was born. Oh. And she died a few minutes after birth. So it's like, go through so much trouble leh. Yeah. So many embryos were made. So many surrogate mothers were implanted mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the embryos. Yes. And then, only one born and die. Ah. There's so much torture and suffering, right? Yeah. Because it is not very easy to gestate a baby yet. That's right, that's right. Then you must put the animal through, or those animals, through the gestation of a thing. Yeah. That you put inside them one. Yes, I mean, uh. yes, ethically, there's a problem there. Mm. But at the same time, it's also a problem of like whether the technology is there or not, right? Mm. You must first solve problem A before you can go on to solve problem B, mm. right? So I think it is a bit uh, ambitious at this point. Mm. Right. So, I mean, all in all, everything is very good, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> ideally, yes. Yeah, but not there yet. Mm. Yeah. Maybe you need to workshop the idea a bit more. Mm. Yeah. Okay, at least people are doing something about it. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, her next search term is Dipping Dots Vaccine. Dipping Dots Vaccine. What's that? D-I-P-P-I-N-D-O-T-S Vaccine. Okay. There is a relation between Dipping Dots and the Vaccine. This is so cool. For listeners that don't know what dipping dots are, just like we are a bit lost. <laughs> dipping dots are that tiny little bobble ice cream ice cream that we eat. Like I don't know whether you all eat before or not. It's a novelty ice cream, you know? Yes. It comes in a bunch of flavoured balls. Then it's cocoa one. Yep. Then when you eat it, you are just like eating little colourful balls. It's very nice to eat. The, yeah. the coconut, right? The texture, the texture in your mouth. Yeah. It's like... Mm. I remember that there was a hype for this a long time ago. Yes, 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 yes. yes. It's a fat food. Fat food? I don't even know whether they still sell it in Singapore now or not. Yep. So, there is a relation. There is a relation because of Dipping Dots cold chain. Mm-hmm. So, they actually operate freezers that dip to negative 85 degrees Celsius. Eh? Mm-hmm. And, and the... COVID vaccine, right? Yes. That was on its way out to all of us mm-hmm. back in 2020. Yeah. The Pfizer-BioNTech one. Yep. The only option that was approved in the US mm. back then, back then, back uh, then, has to be stored at negative 70 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So they were cracking their heads at like, oh man, we have to get this vaccine out to everybody 
at negative 70 degrees Celsius. Mm. Then they're like, how? What can we do? Who has transported things so cold before? Mm. And the answer was... Dipping Dots. The chief development officer for Dipping Dots actually said, It's actually colder than dry ice. We have the ability. We have those freezers accessible. Whoa. Whoa. So they are like unknown heroes of the vaccine transport system. Mm. Oh, the Dipping Dots ice cream, right? are only kept in negative 40 Fahrenheit, which is negative 40 degrees Celsius. Because if it's too cold, then it won't uh, be round and the taste won't be good. But the super cold storage that you're talking about, right, is run by a subsidiary company that actually provides equipment to medical facilities. Oh. That, like, for example, need to raise bacterial culture or whatever, you know? Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So those places, the medical facilities that need to raise bacteria, right? Mm. They use their equipment to palletize. I guess they palletize the bacterial culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they need it to be colder so that the bacteria don't super multiply, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So they not just make ice cream, eh? They make super cold freezers, eh? That's very interesting. Diversify. By the way, they also say, we don't recommend storing vaccines uh, in a freezer that was used for food or food <laughs> in the freezer that has stored the vaccine, okay? You need to separate, uh, cannot mix. <laughs> they're like, no, just don't don't think that you can put it in your fridge. Okay, okay. Okay, they're like very firm on that. Okay, can. They should be. <laughs> oh my god, this is fascinating. Okay. Her next search term is, what was the first vaccine for humans? Wow, I can see that she's very interested in vaccines. Mm. <laughs> she's not working in medical, by the way. She's wo- she works in aeronautical. Well, anyway, I think she really likes this topic. Well, it is and very she- interesting. And she says that it's very inethical. Like, her side note is, it was very inethical. Oh, okay. Alright. We just went down a rabbit hole. It is not ethical. It's very not ethical. <laughs> we just read something that was very horrifying. Okay, so the background of this is that smallpox is a very terrible disease, right? Mm. You have body aches, you have high fever, sore throat. Then you have this like rash all over the entire body, you got like lesions, and then there's like pustules, which is filled with pus on your scalp, your feet, your throat, and even your lungs. Mm. And then like a lot of people die, mm. right? Okay. So it's like COVID plus hand foot mouth disease but next 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 level yeah like chicken pox kind of right yeah yeah plus tb because it affects the lungs it's like all mixed together yeah it's and very bad kill you yeah yeah so what happened was that everybody came up with all kinds of weird treatments mm. to solve this smallpox problem because they don't want to get smallpox but a lot of them were very useless like they will tell you things like stop eating melons or wrap yourself in red cloth you know that kind of nonsense yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's all kinds of things that didn't work and yep. then everybody is just very desperate for yep. a solution yep there was this guy called Benjamin Jesty mm-hmm. so what he did was he scratched some pus from cowpox lesions which is from the cow la. the cow got this cowpox then he scratched the pus out right then he scratched it into the skin of his wife and his sons. Mm. And none of them contracted smallpox. This is in 1774. Huh? Yeah. And the reason why he do this, right, is because in his town, 
he realized that a lot of the milkmaids they contracted a thing called cowpox, mm. and then after that, hmm, they don't seem to get smallpox. Mm. Mm. So he decided to go and do that. It's very gross, right? It's like the cow others eh, yeah. got some blister and and things. Then you go and poke it. Then you use the pus and then you put it not on yourself. Yeah. Put it on into the skin of your wife and sons. Eh. Yeah. Then you observe them. Yeah. Then they're like, hmm. None of them contracted smallpox. <laughs> like what? How can? How can? Very amazing. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, not many people knew about this farmer's work, but. Later on, there's this guy called Edward Jenner. Mm-hmm. So he had a very strong interest in curing smallpox. Mm. In 1796, he go and gather some evidence from farmers and milkmaids yeah. that, hmm, maybe, maybe if you touch this <laughs> cowpox germs yes. or liquid, yep. then you'll be fine. Maybe lah, he just maybe, he got all these maybes. Correct. Mm. Then he just decided to do experiment. Yeah, so he go and scratch it into the skin of an eight-year-old boy. Yeah, he and take then, the pus from a young milkmaid eh. Yep. So he not just scratch it into the skin of the boy ah. He had to take the pus from the milkmaid first eh. Like what? Okay, anyway, mm. James, right, which is the eight-year-old boy's mm. name, he recovered from a mild illness and he did not develop smallpox. Mm. Nor did any of the people that he came into close contact with. Mm. It worked, but of course it's ethically not correct. Mm. So continue, continue. More people know about this smallpox vaccine method. Mm. As we continue on into this article, we found a very shocking fact. By the way, the word vaccine is derived from the Latin name for cowpox, which is vaccinia. I did not know that. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so every time we say vaccine, we remember all these unethical cowpox scratching of people and children. Okay, continue, continue. Then what happened? What happened? He go and convert a rustic summer house yeah. in his garden into his temple of vaccinia. Yes. And he invited local people, come, come, come. Come and be vaccinated after church on Sunday. Yeah. Mm. Because he did this, mm. the news of his discovery spread like wildfire. Mm. So... This King Charles the Fourth, mm. he had lost several members of his own family to to smallpox. Mm. So he actually commissioned a physician to lead a global expedition to deliver the vaccine to the furthest reaches of the Spanish Empire, mm. which includes South America. Mm. So you know, from Europe, sail to South America is quite far, right? Mm. So they were thinking, how do we transport this vaccine? Mm. So they got 22 orphans to mm. act as vaccine carriers. Mm. So in 1803, put all these orphans onto a ship and sail for South America. So what they do is that they will put the pass right into one child. Mm-hmm. Then the child will develop a lesion, right? Mm. Then there's pass, right? So mm. they go and take the pass, then put into the next child. Then the next child will be sick. La. Mm. Then, then wait a few days, then develop wait. a lesion. Yeah. Then before a lesion heal, then take the pass again. Correct. Pass to the other child. Continue pass, pass, pass for 22 orphans. Mm. Until they can reach South America. Yes. Mm. Although all these people were fine, I think. 
is not ethical at all. <laughs> yeah, hey, they take the offers. Hey, the offers got agree or not to this? Huh? I mean, okay, uh, on the upside, the orphanage director. Yes. She also put her own son to contribute to this mission. But is it okay? Did the son agree? I don't know. Did they like sign consent form? They say that the children were cared for on the journey. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I don't think it's right. Okay, I think my question is how young are the children? But I don't think we'll have an answer. Okay. Yeah. That's how the first vaccine was born and why it is called the vaccine. Mm. Anyway, the expedition, right? Uh, it went to the Caribbean, South and Central America, and even to the Philippines. Mm. And it saved millions of lives. Mm. So, I mean, got some good come out of a bit of evil. Indeed. <sighs> this did not go down the way I thought it was going. What a harrowing story. Alright, that's the end of our special segment. So, Eliza, what is your search term of the week? My search term is... Why does sun-dried laundry smell so good? Oh, that's a good question. You know what that smell? Yeah. How would you describe it? Clean. White. (sighs) Like I imagine it, right? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I like the smell of sun-dried bed sheets. Yes. Like the bed sheets and the blanket, right? After you dry in the sun, it's like... Yeah, it smells good. It smells warm. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Why? Okay, guess. Because the UV rays shine mm-hmm. on the bed sheet mm-hmm. and then, then kill the germs. Mm. Yeah, correct. So what we're smelling is the corpses of these dead bacteria. Oh my god, no, not correct. <laughs> Actually, uh, you're already correct. I got point already, eh? minus half mark for your explanation. <laughs> yeah, sunlight has ultraviolet light that kills bacteria effectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Actually, we can kill bacteria with hot water. Mm, mm, but mm. we don't wash clothes at 90 degrees mm, Celsius, right? Mm, mm, like almost boiling water. Like. Do you wash your clothes at that? No, we all yeah. don't. Ma. Yeah. So, when we... Take it out of the washing machine. Mm. There is still bacteria in the fibers. Mm. Yeah. Then I what will happen to the bacteria? What will they do? They will grow. Uh huh. And they will fat and poop. Correct. They'll be smelly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but there is something else that also happens that makes the sun dried smell. Because now we say it is not smelly. Yeah. But what makes the nice smell? Something smells good. Hmm. Something smells good. It's not the roasted bacteria smell. No, it's not the <laughs> smell of roasted bacteria corpses. <laughs> no, <laughs> unfortunately not. I mean, it is a good theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... You sure cannot guess one, because I couldn't guess it. Maybe, like, when when the sunlight burn the, the bed sheet, right? Burn. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Sunlight like burn. burn. Uh-huh. Yeah, then like something to do with the fibers of the bed sheet. Oh. Like, you know, uh, reacting with the heat. Mm. Yeah. Quite close, quite close. <laughs> not bad, not bad. <laughs> okay. So when we hang the clothes in the sun, right, a photochemical reaction happens. Okay, okay. So when sunlight hits wet fabric, Mm-hmm. It produces a range of organic compounds mm-hmm. called aldehydes and ketones, which makes our clothes smell super fresh. I see. And we know this only because in 2020, uh-huh. a team of researchers, right, 
they actually do experiments on this uh-huh. by examining drying towels at the molecular level. Wow. To pinpoint the source of this specific fragrance. I see. Yeah. So they go and buy a set of regular cotton towels from IKEA. Mm-hmm. Then they go and wash it three times in ultra purified water. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because they want to make sure it's not the detergent that makes it smell so good. Oh. It's not the softener. Mm. It's not the water. Mm. Maybe the water special, right? Got like some kind of particles or whatever. Yeah. Or some salts or some microorganism. Maybe it's like oh, yeah, come yeah, from yeah, the yeah. river or the rain or something. Yeah, it must know? be ultra purified water. Plain, just water okay. only without anything. Okay, no okay. softener and nothing. Okay, ah. okay. Then they go and hang the untreated towels yep. in a dark room, a shaded balcony, and a balcony exposed to direct sunlight. Ah, okay. Mm. Then after the towels are dry, Mm. Dry already, yeah. Mm. They seal them in plastic bags for fifteen hours. Mm. Put inside the bag, and seal. Then Good. let the chemical compounds release within the bag. So if it's fragrant, then it all come out inside the bag. Oh, yeah. Okay. So okay. don't touch it. Let mm. it like be itself. Yes, diffuse. <laughs> yeah. Then after that, right, the air from the bags, right, they suck it through a gas chromatography, mass spectrometry measuring instrument. It's called GCMS instrument. Okay. Okay, whatever, okay? Mm. Anyway, it can analyze the chemical compounds that the tower gives out. Okay. So it's like, mm, then they like, ding, come out with what is inside. Okay. And they do the whole thing for colored towers also. So that they know it's like not just the white towers like that, the colorful towers is also like that. So it's not the color of the... Oh, the material okay. that matters. That's quite ah, funny. See, 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 science. <laughs> science. Huh? Okay, so what they found is that for all the towels, right, that dry in the sun, mm. as compared to those in the dark room or the shaded balcony, uh, yeah. those towels that dry in the sun had the highest concentration of oxidized compounds that we relate to fragrances. Oh. Mm. So they emitted pethanol, which is, is a compound found in cardamom. Which oh. is a spice that we use in cooking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Mm. So this paternal smell like that. Okay. Then it also emits octanol, which smells like citrus. Mm. Then it also emits... No, no, no. <laughs> it's like 5, 8, and 9, okay? Paternal, octanol, and no, no. Okay. Which has a rose-like smell. Okay. And then, of course, it emits other kind of smell, la, uh. which is like fruity or smells like the color green or whatever. How come it can emit so many things? Yeah. Like, what? Like, <laughs> they also surprised also, like, huh? got so many organic I compounds. purified water. Yeah, precisely, right? <laughs> like, huh? So, when they were analyzing the air, uh-huh. they're like, eh, how come got so many organic compounds? Mm. Like, we never use anything. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, so they think that maybe it's because when we sun it outside, yeah, it's exposed to ozone, then it reacts with ozone that's in the air. Oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. And maybe also because uh, ultraviolet light, right, when it hits the cloth, yeah, the certain molecules will get excited and then become very reactive. 
okay. and these are called radicals. I see. Yeah. And then because they're unstable, right? Uh-huh. They will react with other molecules nearby, uh-huh. which is in the air or like the ozone or whatever. Yes. And then it will form aldehydes and ketones. Oh. And maybe also because the water, right, on the clothes, they gather a lot of these excitable molecules together. Because droplet, droplet, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. gather them together. Then, then plus can refract the light or like can focus the light, concentrate the sunlight. Like, as if it's a magnifying glass like that. Then it will speed up the reactions more and make them more excitable. Okay. It's like, this is like <laughs> chemistry, you know? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't very good at chemistry. Yeah, but you can imagine how it happens, right? Like, the water. Yeah. It's like, it concentrate the sunlight. Yeah. As if it's a magnifying glass, then make yeah. it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Then, because they are, like, unstable, then they need to, like, react. So, they react with the towel, right? Not the water on the towel, right? No, they react with things in the air. <laughs> in the air. Oh, in the air. Okay. Yeah. These things are already on the towel. <laughs> Which things are in the towel? I, I'm, I'm not Certain understanding. molecules. Oh. There are some molecules on the towel. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, you continue. Okay, so there's molecules on the towel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. React with molecules in the air. Oh. And then form all these things. Okay, okay. Then the sunlight plus the water is the catalyst that make them react react more strongly. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Then actually, right, the same process also happened outside on the individual blades of grass or leaves. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that why, like, the plant smells nice? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> after the rain, when the sun comes out, then yeah. it smells nice. Oh. Partly la, partly. Interesting. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. But the smell lasts longer on the clothes because the elder heights born with the cotton on the clothes. Mm-hmm. So the smell will stick. Stick it to they the clothes. Smell. Mm. <sighs> smells good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I mean, of course, right now, this is all what they think uh-huh. and they theorize happens. Yes, yes. But they say there is much more work to be done in this area of research. I see. Because the study is done in 2020, ma. Oh. Yeah, they need more time to like super duper confirm, confirm, confirm. Okay, to confirm that it's not magic. Like, sunshine magic. Magic. Or, the, <laughs> or what if the sm- it is the smell of the corpses of the bacteria? Oh, oh yeah. Correct, correct. Correct. Yeah. Maybe the molecules that they're talking about is the corpses of the bacteria. We also don't know. Okay. Now sure. they just say some molecules, certain molecules. Oh, they don't know what exactly mm. yet, the specifics. Mm. Mm. But wow. all in all, the answer is why sun-dried clothes smell so nice is photochemical reaction and the death of bacteria. Yes. Okay, the end. Okay. Very awesome. Alright, we've reached the almost end of our podcast and now it is time for... One thing to recommend. My recommendation for this week is... Duolingo. Oh my god. <laughs> this is not sponsored, by the way. It's not sponsored. Yeah. Duolingo yes. sponsor us, please. Yes, please. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I'm recently a bit obsessed with this language learning app called Duolingo, courtesy of Eliza. Mm. And it has, like, taken over my free time. Mm. I've always loved languages, la, in general. Mm. And, like, this gamified way of learning languages is, like, really quite fun for me. I just downloaded it for fun because I saw a lot of people yeah. talking about it on Reddit mm. and saying how the hour is insane. <laughs> and the hour 
Like, totally. The owl has a character. Yeah, the owl keeps like harassing people to play Duolingo. Play, yeah, mm. in very pangro ways. So I downloaded it just to know whether the owl was as insane as they described. Ah, mm. then in the end, you are the one that got obsessed <laughs> with the game. I think with the leaderboards and the times two chess is like, you know, very... So is it effective? Yes, I think it's pretty effective. I mean, honestly, it's not going to replace actual lessons, but it's a very good teaser to the language that you are interested in learning. Mm. Like, for example, one of my goals is to be able to read Japanese characters, right? Mm. And Duolingo has this, like, fun and easy way to, like, really learn the basics of hiragana and katakana, and it's for free. Mm. I feel like they should pay you to say this. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm reading like an ad, right? Yeah. Um, we are not we are not being paid, I just like it. <laughs> okay, she just really likes uh gamified learning. Yes, indeed. Mm. Well, my recommendation for this week is Laura Kampf's channel again. Oh. Yeah. The previous time I recommended her channel was her punk bench restoration video. Mm. But this time I want to recommend a series that she's making. Mm. It's a house restoration series that I've been following for the past few months. Mm. Every Monday, she will come out with a new episode. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because she bought a 120-year-old house mm-hmm. and she thought it's going to be a simple restoration job and then she can go and live in it. Mm. But then every week, right, something bad happens. It's like there's asbestos. If not, then she do-do-do, then suddenly got lead. Then if not, then suddenly got mold. Then every week, the right? Yeah, it just keeps getting worse, you know or not? Mm. I didn't start from the very front. Mm. I just start from like asbestos. Then, <laughs> then after that, I work my way through two seasons of it already. Wait, what is asbestos? Uh, something that is very harmful to occupants of a house. Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a material that, that they it. use oh, okay, in, okay. in building last oh. time. Oh. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, okay. anyway, uh, currently it's off season, so mm-hmm. you got time to catch up if you want to catch up on her house restoration journey. <laughs> it's I super see. chaotic because it's too cold in Germany to work on a big house. Oh. So she's working on a small house. Oh. That she thought she can build it and she can live inside. Oh. A very small, like on a trailer kind of house. I, I cannot. Yeah, but everything <laughs> keep going wrong again. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so funny. It's like the big house, a lot of things go wrong. The small house also a lot of things go wrong. So how to, how to spell her name? Laura Kampf. L A U R A space k-a-m-p-f mm. yeah she's a german maker okay yeah then once you watch her videos right just these two series right then you will understand right what it takes to make a good and safe and cozy house mm. okay yes yeah that's quite interesting okay if you are interested in that mm. yep all right we've reached the end of this week's podcast thank you eliza for making this podcast with me and thank you Tingan, for doing this podcast with me if you have googled anything interesting lately, you can drop us a DM or comment on any of our social media accounts and we'll search it up on the show. You can also follow us on our Twitter, Instagram or on our Facebook page where we post images of some of the things that we talked about today. You can also help share our show with your friends that might enjoy a comedy trivia podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon page and give us a small contribution to help us keep the show running. And now, we are off the record... One more thing, a Patreon-only podcast called One One More More Thing. Thing. So, see you there. Before their extinction, right? Grazing animals. Grazing animals, eh? (laughs) Animals, ah. They seal the towers in plastic bags for 15 hours. eh? For 
owls eh. <laughs> it has started to rain. Maybe you will hear it in the recording. Maybe you will hear it in the recording.